0: Welcome to Welcome to the Uncharted Territories. I'm Max. And I'm Tina. And we're here to discuss Season 3, Episode 13 of Farscape.
1: Scratch and sniff. Sniff. Apostrophe and sniff.
0: I feel like that's a technology that's kind of been lost to time. I remember that being very big when I was younger and not so much now.
1: Oh yeah, I hadn't really thought about that not really being a thing now. I mean, I think Do they still have, like, scratch-and-sniff stickers for kids when you're in, like, elementary school? Like, it says you're grape, and it's, like, an anthropomorphized grape, and, like, when you scratch it and sniff it, it smells like fake grape smell.
0: Uh, It's been quite some time since I've been in elementary school, so maybe it's still a thing that's just not marketed to us. I just, I, I remember, I think it was TV Guide or something that had, like, a NBC or whatever was doing a probably not NBC, maybe Fox, it was doing like a smell of vision thing and it was like this sheet that you got in the mail and like there were different things that correlated to different T V shows and you were supposed to Uh
1: the John Waters movie Polyester was famously shot in quotation smell-o-vision. mark in smell of vision, yeah. And you got the you got the scratch and sniff sheet for that, although I mean that was that was way that was way before my time. By the time I was getting into my cult movie phase and watching polyester, I just had a little guide that told me what the smells were because they're the, that, those scratch-and-sniff sheets were lost to time.
0: This is all really, really vaguely related to the episode. I mean, scratch-and-sniff. I, I guess because they do a lot of sniffing-based drugs.
1: They do sniffing-based drugs and also, like...
0: The, is, the, is the Scratch referencing the editing in this episode? Because uh,
1: Possibly, like Record Scratch? Yeah. Okay, well, thank you for that beautiful segue. So we can talk about the editing in this episode, which I feel like they're doing something really interesting here, and I love it. I love this episode, but it's kind of like you have to have a buy into what they're doing, or I can see hating it because of this episode.
0: Yeah, I didn't care for the editing, but I appreciate what they were going for. It it really felt like, uh, I forget the movie you said, uh, like, Goodfellas, or...
1: Well, there's some bits where it was, in, in the opening, John is kind of monologuing about who people are. Mm-hmm. So, there's like, you know, it freeze frames, and he's like, That's the bad guy in black. That's the...
0: What, what's that uh, movie? It's like about British punks. It was really famous for a while there. SLC Punk? Yeah, I, I, I think so. It really reminded me of the editing from that that I've seen from that movie.
1: Well, so I was going to say, this is actually the opposite of that Goodfellas scene, right? So it's kind of taking from that Goodfellas scene in content, but one of the things that's significant about that scene is that it's one long, uncut take <laughs> all the way through like the bowels of the Copacabana, whereas... This, okay, okay, so this is not a visual medium, so to kind of cue in our listeners who might not have watched this episode, the average episode of television has a cut every seven or eight seconds. That's the average time that you have a cut. Mm -hmm. This episode averages a cut every two seconds.
0: It's kind of a lot.
1: And those aren't like smooth cuts where it cuts... To things you would naturally expect to see Like they literally Do like record scratches where it'll cut Back and it'll be like the person Repeating the line they just said And they'll cut to Just random Shots that are from other parts of the episode Uh there's a Scene where Dargo Talks about how Jules scream Melts metal Mm -hmm. And then we cut to a shot that's from later in the Episode where she's Screaming like it's you know, I, I really love what they're doing. I, I feel like this episode, everybody's high all the time
0: mm-hmm.
1: on various substances.
0: We're back on that.
1: But instead of people doing high acting that I know you hate, it's just the camera is high. It really, this really mimics what it feels like to be fucked up.
0: I mean, to be fair, the people are also acting high.
1: Yes, yes. But also we will learn that This whole episode is John's retelling, so I feel like it also does a neat thing with, like, the fallibility of memory.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't care for what this episode does, but I appreciate what it's going for.
1: That's fair. Uh, This is also um, directed by Tony Tilsey, which I bring- Series standby. That's why I bring it up. He's doing something new here. It's not like they brought in a new director who was like, I'm gonna just- Get my auteur juice all over this episode. It was, you know. Yep.
0: Yeah. Pilot's a little more school headmastery than he normally feels.
1: Well, I have a theory about that. All right. So it'll have been a while for us because Farscape is jumping back and forth between, uh, What's happening on Talon and what's happening on Moya. Mm -hmm. But the last time we were on Moya was when Moya was talking about going off with Linfer. Yeah. The person who is, like, of a race that works with Pilots. And I, I feel like Pilot and Moya are kind of mourning this life that for a second they almost had. And now they're...
0: I mean, that's ragingly optimistic of them.
1: Well, but now they're like, wait... Do we want to be with these assholes? <laughs> there are people in the universe that would be much better suited to us. Mm. But that's that's my theory about why Pilot is behaving like this. They don't bring that up, but I think that that's what's going on. Pilot and Moya are especially testy because they almost had kind of what we're led to believe is like the ideal life for a leviathan, and then it was taken away.
0: Uh, I, I really don't, I mean... I can see that being maybe something they'd think, but I really don't buy that their lives would be that much different with Linfer. I mean, like, they're still being hunted by the Peacekeepers. It's not like it would change all that much.
1: Well, like, yeah, in reality, but we're talking about, like...
0: What these fictional puppets might be thinking.
1: Exactly. Exactly!
0: (laughs) Alright, let's get into the episode proper.
1: Okay, so it opens with John and Dargo at a bar... Dargo, like, really digging into John. He's like, yeah, you basically are a Sebastian because you think you're better than everyone
0: else. And John's like, what makes you say that? And Dargo's like, well, you're always being like, Dargo, don't run off all half-cocked. And Dargo, stop messing up everything all the time. And it's like, well, I mean, maybe if you didn't run off half-cocked and mess stuff up. Well, he doesn't think he's superior to everyone. He Just thinks- you. He thinks he's smarter than you, which he very frequently is, although it's been a while since we've seen them have that dynamic.
1: Yeah, you mentioned before we started recording, so I'm just going to repeat what you said before the before the mic was on, mm-hmm. that it's weird that we have an episode where John and Dargo have been kicked off Moya, that's what we find out in this scene. They were kicked off Moya because they're fighting all the time, and Moya just can't stand it, so she was like, get out of here, do not come back for ten days. But we're getting that when they're getting along.
0: Yeah. Like, really, at any other point in the show, this would have worked better, but whatever. Yeah, Weird Wig, Chiana comes and explains the situation for uh, us, the audience. Jesus. Yes. As you know, John and Dargo, uh, Moya's like, yo, get off. I'm sick of you fighting all the time. Even though, I mean, it was her and her and Jewel were fighting all the time.
1: Yeah, it's, we had an earlier... Earlier, um... You know, two episodes ago, Darga was like, we need to get off the ship because Chiana and Jewel are about to kill each other. And we have no hint of that here.
0: Yeah, they seem weirdly buddy-buddy, which, especially given I don't think they've ever had this friendly dynamic in any other episode, it seems odd that they're as friendly in this as they are.
1: Okay, I'm not going to stop loving this episode, but um, yeah, it would make so much more sense if they had all been kicked off the ship because Chiana and Jewel were fighting. Anyway, John's going around. This is the part where, like, John's voiceover is introducing all of the people in the bar that will be important to this story. And the first person he introduces is the alien Rexel, who is played by Francesca Bueller, Mm. Ben Browder's real-life wife.
0: You might remember her as the bone vampire and something else.
1: The servant in uh, Look at the Princess.
0: Yeah. Does he not like his wife? She's always being cast as these weird, sniveling monster creatures.
1: Well, I noticed that in this episode in particular, she gets to, like, tear into John a lot.
0: I was genuinely surprised she did not murder her in that alternate ending you showed us. It yeah. really seemed like he was going to murder her.
1: Um, I just want to bring up, it won't make sense when you, the listener, are listening to this, but uh, today, as we're recording this, it's Francesca Bueller's birthday.
0: Happy birthday, Francesca Bueller. Are they still married?
1: Uh, yes, I believe so. Wow. Good on them. So, um, she is doing a ridiculously broad Cockney accent as this character, and I'm just like, ah, must be it must be like this all the time in the Bueller Browder household.
0: Oh my god, I feel so bad for their kids. I mean, I don't know if they have kids. Yeah, they do. Remember, because you told me that the little boy and look at the princess was Ben Browder's son.
1: You're, I'm glad you remembered that.
0: I mean, maybe he's like that, too. It just, it seems like it, it seems like it's probably a pretty high-energy household.
1: (laughs) Oh, a random thing here. Mm -hmm. On Amazon Prime, where we're watching this, the closed captions are captioning when Dargo speaks. They're captioning him as Ka, which I guess is...
0: Ka-Dargo.
1: Technically his first name, K-A-Dargo. But it's weird, because nobody calls him Ka... What's going on over at Amazon with the closed captions?
0: Taranga Leela? That's right, Philip. That is kind of weird that Fry and Leela just refer to each other by their last names, the whole Although no, Leela is her first name because her parents are Taranga Morris and uh Taranga whatever the hell her mom's name is. Huh.
1: I do not realize that.
0: I guess just for sewer mutants the last name comes first.
1: I guess. I mean, you're telling me facts I did not know. I did not realize that that was uh, her parents' deal. But I have, um, I have friends who I've called by their last name. Also, at work, we have another Tina now, so um, my boss is trying to get everyone at work to call me Carlton hmm. to to distinguish me from the other Tina.
0: Why don't they just call her other Tina?
1: Um. So. We're trying to wait. Is
0: there a third Tina? (laughs)
1: No, no, no. But um, I I think she thought it would be unfair for either of us to keep Tina, so um, she's TG,
0: Mm.
1: which are her her first and last initial. Uh, Although I have to say, I think pretty much the only people who are doing that are her and I when we talk to each other. Anyway.
0: Anyway, John and Dargo are being hit on by two sexy alien ladies with flowers in their heads
1: i was gonna say two sexy alien girls on their way to Coachella
0: <sighs> yes that is that is the general aesthetic
1: or maybe maybe he's more burning man than no, coachella no
0: i can see coachella
1: they it's- do they have lots of feathers in their hair feathers which by the way later will like end up in dargo's head uh like tentacles tentacles
0: <laughs> which as we know are his junk so that's an implication there they ask if uh john and darko are a couple which i appreciate that the two of them are just like no they don't act weird about it
1: yes i do too
0: such it's little things we just watched a bunch of friends and i forgot how like every other joke in that show is a gay joke and we've uh, stirred malcolm in the middle which did not have a lot of gay jokes at first but is kind of getting more of them as time goes on which seems weird shouldn't it be the opposite yeah i
1: don't i don't like it Uh Uh-uh. So, uh, Dargo and John start dancing with these- with these women, and I have to say, uh, the amount of, like, fun dancing Dargo in this episode, I love it so much.
0: So, John and Dargo are doing a lot of shots, and they're doing a lot of drugs, and also everyone's doing a lot of drugs, and there's a lot of cuts, and we see the bad guy who's, I guess, a Sebastian or Sebastian-esque alien.
1: yeah. His name is Fator, and when John's voiceover introduces him, he's like, that guy in black, he's the bad guy, Fator. And that guy with him is also a bad guy. That guy with Fator. And it was like, that's kinda how we do it, right? Yeah.
0: <laughs> that is how we talk about people on this show, so, so- very prescient of you, John. <laughs> John and Dargo wake up in one of those sex windows that you see in what is it, Holland, where sex legal.
1: Okay, so yes. Except as we're watching this episode later, you'll see that a character we're going to see later, in his room, he has those same windows. So I think just every room in this place, like all of the rooms that you can rent in this place, have those big circular windows. And like, John and Dargo wake up in the window and it's like, oh no, everybody's seeing us naked. But it's also like, guys, everyone saw you have sex. In that giant window. But I guess that's just the culture here.
0: John asks if uh, they had sex with each other. And Darga's like, no, there were women at some point. Which does not technically answer the question. I mean, it does, because he said no. But <laughs> women being there doesn't answer the question. And John's like, oh, I guess they slipped us something. Which, I mean, shouldn't you kind of... I would imagine being more careful about what you drink, given everything that's happened in the show up to this point. But...
1: I know! But yeah, no, they... Uh... Y'all don't have Aaron here to watch out for you. That's what's going on. Aaron would not have let them get rolled, which is what happened. They, there was something in their drinks, and they...
0: All of their money is gone. Also, John's pants, and for some reason he's wearing, like, panties high and fishnets. fishnets.
1: Okay, well, he's not wearing panties. Those are those are his boxers. They're
0: like boxer briefs. I mean, they don't really look like boxer briefs to me. They look... Yeah, I guess they're kind of boxer briefs. So.
1: I assumed they were his, uh, his Calvin Klein boxer briefs that we've seen... So But I I also assume wearing as,
0: those before or?
1: No no, I assume as part of the uh sexual escapades the night before he put on um the woman he was having sex with his thigh highs.
0: Alright. I'm not overtly familiar with fishnet stockings, but aren't they like really easy to rip? Yes. Seems like that would be difficult and not particularly worth it, but okay. I mean He's just doing half a Black Canary cosplay. I
1: I mean, I wrote in my notes that I was loving this fan service, so I guess we just have different tastes. The fan service of John standing in the Superman pose, right, with his hands on his hips in the window in his thigh-high fishnets with Dargo curled up in the, like, triangle made by his legs.
0: I mean, it is a real Rocky horror... Uh, You said Superman, but honestly, it's real... Rocky Horror, the pose he's doing, because he's kind of standing all sexy-like. Well- And yet he does not notice that he's wearing the fishnets and heels until he stands up.
1: Well, now I'm embarrassed that I didn't see that as a Rocky Horror reference when it so obviously is! Oh my god, I'm embarrassed!
0: But he notices that there are a bunch of people watching him, and he freaks out, and he jumps out of the window. Safely. This is, this is on the first floor. Right. And he jumps out into the rest of the room.
1: Right, right. But, uh... That, that, that is the cold open of this
0: episode. I'm sorry, John, but waking up in weird underwear in an alien window is sort of the least traumatic thing that's happened to you thus far. This is a bit of an overreaction.
1: Uh, so it's actually making me think of that line from American Dad when Francine gets drunk the night before and she wakes up and she says... Where am I? Oh, I'm in a hotel room. You're getting better at drinking, Francine! <laughs> <laughs> so we come back from credits, and we're on Moya to establish that basically this is this whole episode is John explaining to Pilot why he's back after two days when Pilot specifically told him to get out of his face and not come back
0: for ten. And Pilot's like, I really don't care what happened. I told you that you needed to be gone for ten days and you're back after two explaining why you're back doesn't change the fact that i don't want you back yet and john's like hey hey but shut up and listen i'm gonna explain everything that happened and pilot's like
1: but you're right pilot is really being like strict schoolmaster here he's like i told you to go for 10 days you came back after two beat up drunk
0: no money with
1: no money
0: (laughs) pilot's like i know what happened you blew all all of your money and you got beat up and that's why you're back here and john's like I mean, yes, but other stuff also happened. But
1: there's a very good reason I blew all my money and got beat up. So we see John and Dargo the next morning, the morning of, of the waking up in the window. And this scene is so weird. It's like on a beach and it's so bright. And they're in this like cabana with inflatable furniture. It's very out of place for Farscape. I feel like it's making us like as disconcerted as they are.
0: Okay, so not to go off on a completely different tangent again. That's
1: definitely off-brand
0: for us. But there's a later episode of Xena Mm -hmm. where Gabrielle gets knocked out, and then the whole episode is her having this dream sequence where she's like this 80s Malibu housewife who's married to Joxer, and... Like, she's a mermaid, and she has, like, three fish children with him, and he's, like, the mayor of a beach town, and, like, Aphrodite and one of the other goddesses are, like, beach women who are trying to steal her husband away. And that's just the whole episode.
1: Okay, I've probably mentioned before on one of our podcasts, if not this one, that Xena is one of my major blind spots as a nerd. Like, it's one of those things I should have seen at some point, and I just haven't. Mm Mm-hmm. I would like to watch just that episode, please. I mean, someday I'll go back and watch all of Xena, but I would like to watch that episode in the very near future, please.
0: It's really, really bad. But the thing is, like, it has nothing to do with Xena or Ancient Greece or anything. It's just this weird, like, comedic 80s beach soap opera for 40 minutes. And then Gabrielle wakes up and she's like, well, that was weird. Let's go fight a minotaur or whatever.
1: Okay, okay, we should do that episode in a double feature with the Deep Space Nine episode that is also completely unrelated to anything going on in Deep Space Nine, but it's all of the characters, you know, that we know from the show, except they're all living in the 1940s as science fiction pulp writers.
0: You could just do whatever you wanted in the 90s, huh? Like, no one cared.
1: <laughs> anyway, John and Darga mentioned that they haven't heard from Chiana and Jewel, but they're both like, well, they're probably out partying. That's what we came here for. They're probably having promiscuous sex and ingesting mild intoxicants.
0: So, I would be more concerned about Chiana and, to Jewel. a lesser degree, Jewel. <laughs> <laughs> like... I mean, I I get it. They're tough ladies or whatever, but also you guys got, you know, roofied almost immediately and it's not like either one of them is particularly cautious about stuff.
1: Mm, that's true, but I feel like Chiana, at least maybe not Jewel, but Chiana is definitely more street smart than John and Dargo. I trust her to take care of herself more than John and Dargo. And yet. Yeah. But Raxel appears and she's like, hey, your women are missing. I know that because they've been taken, which I also know. And that's why I have this Jules communicator. And this is where Dargo recognizes that it's Jules because the edges of it are melted from when she screams, which I thought was a very nice touch.
0: Hmm.
1: And um, she refers to uh, Jules and Chiana as the gray one and the gold one.
0: Is Jewel gold? I feel like she's more tangerine. y
1: So I'm glad you said that. Because, yeah, Jewel's not really gold. In fact, if anything, I think of her as more red. Mm. Because she herself is kind of an orange color, like you said. And then her hair is so bright red, it's almost like she's like a sunset. Yeah. But... We will find out that her fluids are gold. Mm. And we will also find out that Raxel is secretly a dealer of these fluids. So I almost feel like that's foreshadowing to the fact that Raxel is not being forthright about her her business, her motivations, all of that. And I said foreshadowing, but maybe not foreshadowing because you couldn't possibly know that. But the kind of thing where when you rewatch it, you're like, oh, that's why Jules the gold one.
0: Mm. So Raxel takes them to this guy who she says is deaf, but he's got these tentacles that let you see crap. Okay. It's, it's weird that she establishes him as deaf, but he can hear if you're really loud, then he's not deaf.
1: Yeah, it's just hard of hearing.
0: Yeah, and also that doesn't really add anything and people don't seem to have issues communicating with him later, so why throw that in at all?
1: Yeah, it is very strange. I, It's very strange. I think it might be one of those weird ableist tropes where one sense is enhanced at the cost of others. Well, it's so, like
0: the blind seer thing.
1: I, yeah, yeah, except this is like the deaf seer. Because his deal is... His eyeballs detach, and he sends them out all over the place, right? And then you can hook up to his tentacles and see whatever his eyeballs all over the place are seeing.
0: Gross. But, yeah. He's- I do appreciate that this episode is leaning real heavy into the alien designs. I feel like it's been a while since we've had, like, this many alien designs in one episode.
1: Yes, and I really love that design of this alien, in particular-
0: Especially because it, maybe it's just because we've seen a lot of Alison Pregler Baywatching videos mm-hmm. recently, but the setting feels kind of Baywatchy.
1: Well, it's it's bright and it's neon and it's yeah. I mean, I
0: it's really high. Uh, it's a uh, it's those bathing suits with the really high butt floss. I'm sorry to phrase it like that, but I can't think of.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Also, just. They have inflatable, clear, neon furniture on the beach. Oh my god,
1: that was like giving me 90s flashbacks. Also, later in um, Fator, the the villain, in Fator's apartment, we see he's got like a giant lava lamp. (laughs) Now, okay, the alien though, the, the Hanji, whose name is Kaba.
0: The Seeing Things guy.
1: The Seeing Things guy. I really love his design, not just because of its design, but because of the type of puppet he is. He's got, like, he's got these, he's he's insectoid, right? Mm -hmm. But then his head is kind of almost a hammerhead head. Mm -hmm. Uh, He's got kind of a praying mantis thing almost. I
0: was thinking stick bug, but yeah.
1: Oh, yes, stick bug. But his, the lower half of his body doesn't move. He's he's an animatronic that is designed to only move in the top half so that you can kind of do more with the puppetry without spending as much.
0: You can see that later when John is very delicately roughing him up.
1: (laughs) But I really love that this puppet is—I mean, it's very well sculpted—and it kind of gives the puppeteer a chance to show what you can do with good puppeteering. Hmm. So,
0: so John and Dargo think that they're being scammed because the guy's like, "My services don't come free. If you want to see where your ladies went, you're going to have to pay." And the woman, what's your bucket? Uh, Raxel. Raxel's like, "Hey, I'll cover this," and she puts down some coins, and John's like. That's our money. You stole our money. And she's like, all money looks the same. How do you know it's your money? She says,
1: I don't see your name on it.
0: (laughs) And they're just like, fine, whatever. Whatever gets us closer to finding Chiana and to a lesser degree jewel.
1: So um, the puppet bows its head so that John and uh, Dargo can take one of the tentacles and attach the tentacle to their eye so that they can see what the Hanji's other eyes are seeing.
0: And John's like, oh, why is it always eye stuff? I'm so sick of stuff happening near and to my eyes. And Stargo's like, don't be a baby, baby.
1: Okay, so this episode was written by Lily Taylor. Mm -hmm. Please guess what other episode she wrote.
0: It's the one where they uh, pull out the eyes and...
1: Clockwork Nabari! Yep. Yep.
0: Please stop putting that in episodes, Lily, whatever your last name is. I don't care for it. Lily Taylor. (laughs) Lily Taylor, please stop... Don't don't like it.
1: I mean, it could just be a coincidence that the two episodes that she was given to write both had that as a plot point. Mm. You don't know what she wrote and what came from the, the writer's room, but...
0: You mean it might not be that Muscular Butterfly Women of Futurama episode?
1: Yeah, it might not. Yes, yes. This might not be a person taking the chance to write their particular fetish. It might just be a coincidence.
0: Okay, I have to describe it because it's a later season Futurama episode, but it's also the clearest case I think I've ever seen of someone getting their very, very specific fetish through the writer's room. It's an episode where Leela and Amy get really into this mid-air butterfly wrestling where very muscular women strap on butterfly wings and wrestle each other. So they start taking this butterfly hormone thing that makes them super muscular. And it also makes them really, really horny for Fry. So they're very muscular and they can't stop having sex with Fry. And it's like... Also they fly. Also they fly. And it's like... This feels like we're looking at somebody's search history and not watching an episode of Futurama. It's...
1: Is this Futurama or is this art?
0: Yeah, it's really weird. Don't care for it. I mean, good on you, I guess, if you got that past the writer's room. But, like, really? Really?
1: It's like the penultimate episode of Community where... It's about having- The, the
0: cousin marriage one? Where,
1: the cousin marriage one. And then the end is the writer being like, okay, they told me I could have a cousin marriage episode as long as at the end of the episode, I stood up and said, I wrote this episode about cousin marriage.
0: And then he explains why cousin marriage isn't that bad. He's like, hey, there's a very small chance if you're uh, distantly related by this degree. It's a, it's honestly, it's pretty funny. It's-
1: Yes. That episode also is the lead-in to one of my very favorite works of fan fiction that I can't find anymore and it makes me so sad. The the episode opens with and and I am saying this by the way so that if one of our listeners knows <laughs> knows a place where this fan fiction is archived, they will let me know. Mm-hmm. But the episode opens with Annie and Abed shooting her in case I go missing video, the missing wife video where she's like yeah. you know. Yeah. And um, the fan fiction begins with them finishing making that video. So, yeah, if anybody knows where that is, hit me up.
0: Farscape.
1: <laughs> so the Hanji, mm-hmm. uh, we we cut to Pilot hearing this story because he doesn't believe this because a Hanji is apparently like a mythical creature. So this would be like if John's story suddenly had a dragon in it.
0: Yeah, that's super weird. It's not like they're dragons or anything just well, in Farscape. There... I know, I know. But like, come on, pilot, really? You're we met your god at one point.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: Like, mythical creature seems like kind of a stretch for There are a lot of aliens out there. But anyway, they uh they go into their shared brain space or the alien shared brain space and they see Chiana and uh Jewel sexy dancing and then oh my god are they gonna kiss no because this is the 90s and women can't kiss on tv yet but they're gonna dance all sexy they could just get
1: their lips like super close together and and also their hips i want to point
0: out xena and gabrielle did kiss on several occasions it took them a while there's this one early episode where uh i think it's uh italica uh Zena's soul is in Atollicus's body. Uh-huh. And he's shot as, like, Lucy Lawless. You just see Lucy Lawless for most of the episode, except for the bit where she and Gabrielle start making out. And then it's her making out with Atollicus.
1: Mm. And it's like,
0: mm, that's... Yeah. Mm. But they do let them kiss later when we were in the censors just giving up seasons. I don't think they even have male love interests in the last couple of seasons.
1: So, uh, yeah, they don't let Shiana and... Jewel kiss, but they do let Chiana do fire juggling, which apparently is a thing Gigi Edgley actually does. This is actually Gigi Edgley doing it. Huh. And she fire juggles so well that a guy passes out, which apparently was part of the bet because she's like, I win!
0: Yeah, there's this thing where she like pulls a guy out of the audience and she's like, let me show you what I can do. Like she shoves Jewel to the side when she's done off. Barely off-camera making out with her. She shoves her to the side. And she's like, let me show you what I can do. Pulls a sexy man out of the audience, then fire dances at him so sexfully that he collapses, I guess. All I think of...
1: she's, like, hypnotizing him.
0: Oh, I thought that uh, so much blood went into his penis, you know, erection-wise, that there wasn't enough for him to maintain consciousness.
1: I guess that could be it, too. He
0: was that aroused by her sexy fire dancing. And the bad guy fator fator's like ooh, i want to take her to my uh chamber and drain fluids out of her to turn into drugs
1: okay he actually says you smell so exotic which oh,
0: gross. gross
1: no no
0: <laughs> I, it's creepy on two different levels
1: anyway he pulls out a vial and he's like here smell this and Chiana does and it's basically ecstasy
0: hey does this smell like chloroform to you Okay. I I know it's not. It's, hey, do you want to do some drugs? Do you want to do whippets in the back room of my club? Yeah.
1: So this is, this is Freslin. This is the drug that we're going to see throughout the episode. And I'm probably just going to call it ecstasy through the rest of the episode because that's basically what it is. Yeah. And now the Haji like pulls back and he's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You didn't tell me that this was about going up against Fator because I'm absolutely not doing that because he's the gangster in charge of this particular planet.
0: Neat. So, um, Dargo's like, look, they're just partying with some douchebag, whatever. I don't care. I'm not, Chiana didn't say yes to my proposal, so I don't care who she parties with. And, uh, Fraxel? Fraxel?
1: Uh, Raxel.
0: Raxel. Raxel's like, uh, yeah, the thing is, like, he uses women. And by uses, I mean, turns into drugs and uses.
1: Yeah, we, we cut to a shot of uh, Fator's milking room so that we, the audience, can see that this ecstasy is made out of hot women. And, oh.
0: Yeah, and John's like, look, all we have to do is trust this lady who very clearly robbed us. We don't even know if she's still with the guy who allegedly turns women into drugs. And then, you know, smash cut to... Them being with the guy who turns women into drugs, and he's with his sister. Okay, so,
1: we get another John voiceover when we see, like, the the black-clad woman in the milking room who's, like, doing the process. And John's voiceover says, this is, I don't know, Fator's sister, I think? But, there's no- that's, John's just making shit up at this point. We see no indication that she... Uh, what her relationship to Fator is, yeah. other than, like... Employee? Yeah.
0: Or co-worker? I mean, she does seem to be an underling of some sort, although she doesn't seem, like, particularly scared or subservient to him. I guess she is like, we can't do it, we've drained too many women. And he's like, "No, nah, we, we, we got some qu- quality product, let's drain these women. She's like, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Which... Really are, really putting up a strong defense there. Eh. I mean, he owns the planet, and I mean, again, it is bad to turn women into drugs. You shouldn't turn women into drugs, but, like, I mean, if you're going to turn women into drugs, then why do you, and you own the planet, why do you care if, you know?
1: Well, okay, so, uh, I I think there's, like, a vampirism thing going on here, where, like, she doesn't want to use up the population, but he's like, oh, wait, no, we have some hot off-worlders. We can totally, uh, use up the population.
0: I mean, it's a pleasure planet. I don't know if we mentioned that before. This is a pleasure planet that they got dropped off to unwind Jalax.
1: Uh-huh.
0: So I would imagine that they've got a lot of tourists they can use for this sort of thing. But Dargo finds the place where Fator lives, and he's like...
1: Okay, wait, wait, wait. hmm So Dargo is back on the beach telling John about finding the place where Fator lives, which means that we are getting a story flashback within a story flashback.
0: I mean, yeah, it's all vaguely... I mean, it's like when you're actually listening to someone tell a story where it's kind of fractured and out of order. But yes, he tells John that he's found the place that the girls are and he's going to go rescue them, and John's like, okay. And Dargo's like, you're not coming with me. And John's like, I'm sure they're fine. Let's not listen to the lady who drugged and robbed us. And Dargo's like, okay, fine, I'll go rescue them myself. And John's like, Grr.
1: well, so Dargo gets there and to to Fator's apartments, and he finds Jewel and Shiana. Uh, I wrote in my notes they are happy, horny, and high.
0: Yeah, Jewel's in a bathtub and she's screaming, but it's a. It turns out it's a pleasure scream.
1: And Shiana's just like writhing on the floor.
0: Does her wig get better again? I know that this is a new wig for her, but it's really not. I feel like
1: they hadn't kind of gotten it styled correctly yet. Okay, so when Dargo finds Chiana, she's like, No, I'm happy. I did some drugs that I really enjoyed. I'm gonna chill here, have some more sex at this orgy party. And I really appreciate this. And this is a weird thing to say, but after Incubator, Mm -hmm. I like that they didn't make this a sexual assault thing. That it's not that he drugged Chiana... ...against her will and and took advantage of her. Like, he shared a party drug with her. She came up and partied. And it's kind of weird, but I'm like... ...I'm glad that they're only killing women and turning them into drugs. But that's where we are.
0: So, Dargo's like, look... ...I'm not gonna leave you high in some dude's, you know, Miami Vice house. I'm taking you and Jewel with me. And uh, the guy's like, I'm not gonna just let you kidnap these women and dargo's like you're the one who kidnapped them and he's like uh you're the one who broke into my house and are dragging them out by force it really feels like you're the one who's kidnapping them
1: fator has his guards like pull guns on dargo and we had learned earlier that there are no guns allowed on this planet so uh
0: yeah and dargo's like but there's no guns allowed on the planet and fator's like crime boss
1: right What?
0: (laughs) what part of this did you not get and dargo's like chiana come on and chiana's like Dargo, we're not an item. You can't tell me not to get super high and have sex with a drug dealer. We're not together <laughs> anymore. You can no longer tell me that. And Dargo's like, fine, whatever. And then-
1: so on the beach, when Dargo finishes telling this story, he he attacks Raxel and is like, What are we supposed to do? Why didn't they want to come back with me? Why does Fator have guns? And Raxel pulls out like a little spray bottle of the the drug and sprays it in dargo's face and then we immediately cut to dargo at a bar doing some amazing dargo dancing i love it so much you know what this reminds me of
0: a lot of head bobbing what
1: the episode of angel where he's at the party yeah
0: and he, he imagines himself trying to dance
1: yes So
0: uh, pilot interrupts john at this point and is like no sorry not buying it bullshit no and john's like what? It's what happened. And pilot's like, your story's really inconsistent. It seems all over the map. There and are dragons! Also, again, I don't care why you came back early. Like...
1: So, um, yeah. I I put in my notes here, r slash that happened. Yeah. Referencing the, the Reddit that happened, where people are like, oh, this is fake. This For is all everyone clap stories. Yes. And the thing is... Yes, there's a lot of fake shit on Reddit. A lot of people are, are telling stories that are completely fake on Reddit. Um, see see Sarah Zed's video on this very thing. Hmm. But at the same time, a lot of times it'll be like very normal things and everybody's like, oh, that sounds fake to me. And it's like, are you... I mean, I know. Have I,
0: you never been outside?
1: I mean, I know it's because these are younger, like teenagers. So, you know, maybe not.
0: But a lot of them are like really innocuous stories about like someone bringing cookies to work and it's like that never happens and it's like
1: i mean as danny lavery often says life is a rich tapestry
0: also pilot this is not even close to the weirdest thing like this is this is some pretty normal stuff oh john went to a planet and got drugged by someone that that that's never happened before wow
1: i mean remember Maldus?
0: I guess to be vaguely fair to Pilot, he's not really a part of a lot of these adventures because, as John points out, he can't leave the ship.
1: Yeah, I guess. Well, and to be to be even more fair to Pilot, it's it's less "R slash that happened" and "R" and more "R slash who gives a fuck, get out of my ship." But yeah, the the Pilot not believing John's story is kind of weird.
0: John also weirdly briefly explains to Pilot why one does drugs, and he's like, "To." dance at clubs and meet girls you need to get out more and pilot's like you know i'm you know i'm physically connected to moya that's not funny john
1: oh that is sad well i mean i guess not because that's what he wanted more than anything yeah okay so we do this thing now where we're cutting back and forth between raxel at the bar with john you know watching dargo dance and explaining to john what's going on And Fator's apartment where Chiana is coming to the realization about what's going on. And learning that, I mean, we've we've already said it, but... Ecstasy is people! The
0: drugs are people. And we get a flash forward to her being strapped into the person milking machine. Because she's like, ooh, what's in these drugs? And then there's a brief flash of her in the machine. Yes. And then he's like, why... People, of course.
1: Well, women,
0: actually, people.
1: Actually, what's really dark is he—he he just says that it's made from an animal.
0: Yes.
1: Yeah, yes. fucking dark. Yeah, and uh, so after after Raxel gives Chiana and Jewel like another massive dose of the stuff, and he says that this one is particularly bitter. I assume it's also particularly strong because he says it's like the an animal's last. Fluid, right? So, the, the dying, uh...
0: It gets stronger the closer to death the animal is. Remember...
1: Which is dark.
0: ...person. Okay, so just really briefly, there's a character in X-Man who you might be familiar with. Uh, Threnody.
1: I am not familiar with this character.
0: Really? You read so much X-Man. I mean, I know none of it sticks in your head because it's all awful garbage, but, uh, X-Man is, uh... He's not a member of the X-Men. He's uh, Scott Summers and Jean Grey's son from an alternate future, uh, alternate timeline. Mm-hmm. But anyway, he starts dating this woman who has, like, energy-draining powers, but what she specifically uh, eats mm-hmm. is the energy people give off right before they die. Oh, that's messed up. So it is kind of a little bit of a Stark thing where she guides people into death, but she, like, in the... In the moment where someone goes from living to dead, they give off this kind of energy spark and she needs that to live. Mm. And she's really attracted to Nate Grey because, you know, he's dying because he's got too much psychic power. So, like, she she can kind of feel him all the time and she's very aware of him.
1: I I want our listeners to know that I read a lot of X-Men specifically because I was working under the assumption that everything has at least some kernel of value that someone can love, but I couldn't find it in X-Men.
0: There is a single issue that is drawn by Alan Davis that is very, very pretty because Alan Davis is a very talented author, artist. He's a pretty good author, too. I mean, he, he wrote some really good Excalibur, but he, he's a very talented artist. And the thing is, if you buy an X-Men collection, you're going to buy, like, they put his, the cover he did as the cover for any of the collections, and artwork from his issue on the back to trick you. <laughs> because the art in that is, I, I, I don't don't—I don't like saying this because everyone, you know, there's a like lot of- Like what you like. Like what you like. There's a lot of different tastes when it comes to art. But most of the art in X-Men is just genuinely, deeply terrible. Mm. It's like manga from someone who's only heard about manga fifth hand- Got it. I mean, you read it. Everyone has, like, giant hands and giant heads. I kind
1: of just thought that's what the 90s were like.
0: You know, it, it was a thing, but, like...
1: I just figured it was the style of the time.
0: I felt like... I think it was people trying to ape manga, though.
1: That probably is where it came from, but I feel like, like I said, there was a lot of that happening in the
0: 90s. I'm sorry, Farscape. It's hard to talk about this episode because it's so fractured...
1: It is, it is, it, it is fractured.
0: It makes it really hard to kind of stick to a thing. So Jewel has been brought into the lady draining room.
1: And she like looks around and everything clicks into place when she sees a pair of white fuzzy handcuffs. She's like, oh, oh no, this is bad. I need to get out of here.
0: It'd be a good time to use that metal melting scream.
1: It would have been.
0: i imagine that would it, I mean, the machine probably has some metal in it, right? Like it would probably mess it up enough to not drain her fluids.
1: I would think so. Um, and Raxel tells John that the reason she wants to help them get Jewel and Shiana back is because her mate is also being held captive and she wants them to rescue him as well. So that's why she's helping them out.
0: So John puts on a cartoonish cowboy voice and he's like, Howdy y'all! I'm looking to buy some drugs made out of ladies! Yeehaw!
1: Um, uh, so what I wrote is... John is not going to be outdone by his wife on his own show. So he comes in with his own over-the-top Texan oil tycoon accent.
0: And John buddying up to... It's not the main bad guy. It's
1: Fator's friend.
0: Yeah, it's Fator's underling. He's buddying up to Fator's underling as we cut in between that and Joel getting strapped into the lady draining machine. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, you got any drugs made out of ladies? and the guy's like, I might know where you can get some drugs made out of ladies. You got money. And John's like, I got, oh, uh, I got money. I got girls. I got boots. I got anything you want.
1: Okay, so this guy actually doesn't want to let John in at first until John drops Kaba's name, the Hanji's name. Mm. And then the guy's like, oh, okay. If you're if you're Kaba's friend, you can absolutely come. And he gives him this little chip, the special chip that he's going to need to use to get into the auction. And it's like... Okay, you have enough security that John needs this special chip to get in. But you're not even going to, like, call Kaba and confirm that he knows who this guy is. Just...
0: Also, it's weird that Kaba's in good enough with these people, considering how freaked out he seemed by them.
1: Right? Yeah.
0: But, I mean, whatever. This is an unreliable...
1: That's true. That might not even have happened.
0: Yeah. We'll talk about that later. So, Dargo is coming down from the drugs, and he's like... I'm going to kill that lady. And John's like, she's just going to drug you again if you try to kill her. Yep. Which spoilers for later in the episode.
1: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, John and Darga go, uh, back to Kaaba because John wants
0: the schematics of the place because they're going to probably need to make a very fast exit in short order.
1: Exactly. So when they are kind of in the auction room, Harvey, the chip Scorpy, shows up.
0: Yeah, as soon as they plug back into what's his bucket's brain room so that they can walk around Fator's house, mm-hmm. uh, Harvey shows up because he's like, Hey, you're you know Since technically we're all in a mental space and I live in John's brain, I can I can interact with you. Hi, Dargo. It's nice to finally talk to you directly instead of just whispering to John about you in the back of his mind and Dargo's like what, what's this? And John's like, look, remember the chip? The chip left this, like, psychic imprint of Scorpius. I call him Harvey. He's not real. You don't have to talk to him.
1: So it's interesting to me that when they're all plugged in to the Hanji, now Dargo can see Harvey, but because, as I said, we have an unreliable narrator...
0: We don't know if that's the case. We don't know. Does does Dargo in the near future reference the fact that he knows that John's got a brain Scorpius?
1: Um, not to my memory, but that he might, but I don't remember if he does. Hmm. So as they're walking through getting, getting the schematics, they, they get to the milking room and then they count how many steps there are from the milking room to the auction hall because they are also shown by Harvey where the circuit breakers are for the lights, so the plan will be to knock out the lights and then run in the dark.
0: And they disagree with how many steps it is, and, you know, they're having a little argument about it before Dargo points out that they have, their, their legs are different lengths, so obviously it would be different.
1: Although Dargo counted ten, and John counted eight, and when it finally happens, um, it is ten. Dargo needs to take ten steps, so John was right. Uh and then in Fator's apartment, Chiana wakes up and is like completely alone. And I get that like Fator is down in the milking room now, but everybody left the orgy and just left Chiana there unconscious? That's rude.
0: Apparently. Fator's thing has a real seventies drug lord aesthetic. I think I mentioned Miami Vice earlier. Mm-hmm. This does feel like the sort of thing you'd see. In Miami Vice, or alternatively, I know these are two very different things, but a seventies sci-fi movie
1: that's the vibe i was getting this is very like 70s sci-fi xanadu feeling to me especially with the costumes and you know what um we mentioned that Fator is wearing all black but i don't think we mentioned that he's wearing a black leather bodysuit with gigantic down to the floor uh fringe on the arms
0: he is indeed
1: it is what they call a look Oh, so in uh in Den
0: Dargo's mad at What's Your Bucket because she's like, I didn't plan all of this just for you to back out now and Dargo's like, You planned all of this? And she's like, I didn't mean that. I I you wait. You brought guns, right? And Dargo's like got two guns and she's like, I'm sorry, I didn't you blow up a shadow depository? I thought you were gonna come in with like all of the guns and bombs And psychic blue ladies who can kill you by having sex.
1: Yeah, I I like that she's like, uh, what about the Crichton and Dargo that I've heard stories about? And I just love that Crichton and Dargo are becoming notorious. It's, I, I don't know, it's one of the things I like in this show. Like, once they blow up the Shadow Depository, now they're the guys that blew up the Shadow Depository. I, I, I appreciate the way that, um, the effect that they have on the world grows and grows. And, you know, that's reflected in these tiny little podunk planets they go to all the time.
0: So Chiana finds her way into the, uh, lady draining room and she sees Jewel and she's like, no, Jewel. And, uh, the guy's like, yeah, I'm, I'm using her to make drugs. See, look, drugs. And Chiana knocks the drugs out of his hand and they, you know, smash uh, at the vial smashes on the ground. He's like, Now I'm going to have to kill your friend more.
1: This is really cool, though, because Kaba is like, oh, hey, I've got a live feed in the milking room right now. Chiana and Jewel are there. So now, like, the two scenes that we've been cutting back and forth between, like, come together as Kaba shows them what we've been seeing. I I just think that was a cool, like, artistic way for them to bring that all together.
0: So Dargo's like, for crying out loud, she's been playing us the whole time, and he he runs at a...
1: Oh, just to be clear about the way that Raxel has been playing them, she like she paid those two women to drug them specifically so that Fator would have the opportunity to
0: kidnap Jewel and
1: and Chiana and like this is this has all been like a big honestly, it seems overly really complicated plan. It really, really does.
0: Yeah, she she got them kidnapped so that John and Dargo would, you know, break her into this compound so she can save her lover.
1: Which is what she says she's doing. We'll see if that's really what she wants.
0: I'm aware finger quotes don't translate over a podcast medium, but I was doing finger quotes there. Yeah. So Dargo gets really mad and he's about to punch her, but she sprays him in the face with more drugs. And then he's like, again? And then he punches her anyway. And she's like.
1: That was fair. She's like, okay, one. I, I deserved one. One punch. That's fair.
0: Which is basically her way, it's like saying, uh, please and thank you. It's a way of asking someone to do something, but that's actually telling them to do something. Ah, yes. Because she's like, ah, okay, you got your one punch, and now we're done. It's like, no, he could punch you more.
1: (laughs) So, um, Chiana takes, uh, Chiana takes Jewel's place on the milking machine. And I like that she kind of, like, scornfully looks over at Fator. It's like... She, she, she's not going to break for him.
0: It's weird that he didn't just, I mean, I, I guess he could get a lot more out of Jewel because apparently she's, since she's an advanced being or whatever, you know, you can get a ton out of her. So maybe he wants to make her last or whatever, but it's weird that he didn't get the special kind you get right before death out of her.
1: Okay. Well, so first of all, this is one of the inconsistencies that Pilot points out. He's like, um, The amount of fluid you're talking about would definitely have killed Jewel. But also, later on, he's gonna... He's gonna pull Chiana off and tell his sister, maybe? Who knows? To drain Jewel until she dies. I think he just needed to get enough of Chiana to test so... Because Chiana's gonna be auctioned off to the other Freslin dealers.
0: So... So it turns out that the drugs that um, What's-Her-Bucket sprayed Dargo with were also disguise pheromone drugs because they'll all recognize him from breaking into the house and yelling at everyone.
1: Yeah, and at this point, we literally cut back to Pilot. He's like, no, this is so much nonsense. Stop telling me all this nonsense.
0: He's like, Dargo did not turn into another creature just because he got drugs sprayed in his face. And John's like, well, it was- pheromones that made him seem like another creature and pilot's like oh my god i don't care i
1: mean pilot's right that's quite a stretch even even from the stuff that we've seen
0: i mean if they were like a species if they were all like species that relied more on scent than sight it would make more sense sense uh not intentional but (laughs) yeah but as is, whatever Nothing, everything and or nothing in this story could have happened, so whatever. Yeah.
1: So, we get to the auction.
0: It's weird that he's not auctioning off Jewel.
1: Well, I mean, eh. eh.
0: <laughs> whatever.
1: So I mean, I, I don't think we could, I don't think that we could think that Dargo at this point in the series would go into a hyper rage to save Jewel the way he would to save Chiana. So, John and, and Dargo in disguise show up at the, uh, at the auction. And by the way, Dargo, he's not just disguised, he's also like super horny again because he's got the he's, he's not ecstasy. And when uh, Fator is like, Do I know you? He's like, Probably not. Lately, I've been a new man.
0: Ugh. So, Fator, or Fator's assistant guy, whichever, stops Breslin. Reslin Freslin. Rixel. Rixel. Stops Rixel and is like, Hey, I know you. You're that drug dealer lady who dealt those drugs that are made out of ladies and except you sucked at it really hard and then you went out of business. What are you doing here? And John's like that. That seems like information we should have had before coming in.
1: Yeah, John's like, how many other things that we don't know do we need to know?
0: I mean, spoilers, but obviously she was also a Frexel dealer who's just looking for a new supply or whatever. Like, clearly it was a series of lies just to get her in so she could steal or whatever.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I mean, it doesn't matter at this point. They need to get break in to save Chiana and, to a lesser degree, Jewel. <laughs>
1: So Dargo is pissed off about this and, and Raxal is like, okay, you need to calm down because you'll metabolize the Freslin faster if you're upset and then it will wear off. And great, great. As long as Dargo stays calm, everything's going to be fine.
0: I also like how Chiana's is the only one getting auctioned off here because they're like, oh, you got just in time for the Nabari, the star of the auction. And John's like, convenient.
1: It is, it's true that that she is the only one we see getting auctioned off. Um, okay, so I really love the way that this scene is cut, uh, because John is trying to do this without, you know, making a big thing, right? He's like, he, he brought a bunch of money from the transport, and his plan was to just buy her at auction, and then leave. go- Well, they're gonna get Jewel first, but uh. yeah, <laughs> then to leave- and so we're watching that. We're watching John trying to bid and him trying to, like, be smooth. But we keep smash cutting to the future when everybody's shooting guns and <laughs> running around and things go to hell. Like, I, I really love the energy of the way this scene is cut. Because, honestly, if it was just cut straight forward, it, it just, it's just a very, very long auction scene with no with no drama. But the way it gets cut to the way everything's going to go to hell... I like it. I like it a lot.
0: I like how John, just because obviously he's not paying, he just, like everyone's, you know, doing the incremental things and John's like, 11 t (laughs) dollars. And they're like, that's not a real number. He's like, oh, okay, then 10 million dollars? And they're like, okay, yeah. And he's like, okay, but first I need to check out the Nobari to make sure she's good. So I'm going to unstrap her. I'm going to walk her around a little bit. I'm just going to test her out. And then I'll give you all of that money.
1: I'm going to make sure that she's conscious and that she can hear me in case I have any plans that I need to enact. And meanwhile, Dargo is, like, getting super mad because John's like, feeling up Chiana. And on the one hand, I'm like, he feels up Chiana all the time. They're that kind of friend. They're the kind of friends who are like, oh, we're just friends, but they're always, like, all over each other. Mm-hmm. But also, like, Dargo is high on, like, hormones. So, okay. Okay. I guess.
0: So, uh, John, well, under the guise of testing out Chiana, uh, he's like, where's Jewel? And she's like, she's in the lady sucking chamber. And John's like, cool. I know where that is. Cause I alien or whatever. And, and, uh, Chiana's like, neat. <laughs> we should get out of here.
1: And then John loses the bit, which is weird because like you said, he's, he's not planning to actually pay. He could have said, saying any number but he's like oh no i'm out of money and then we we cut back to when scorpius in his head was like circuit breakers so that we know that john's gonna shoot out the circuit breakers which was their plan yes
0: so yeah which he does he shoots out the circuit breakers Everyone's firing guns, it's all very action-y.
1: There's actually, before, right before that, uh, right before he shoots out the circuit breakers, he plans with Dargo. Dargo's gonna run and get Jewel, he's gonna get Chiana, they're both gonna run to the pod. And Dargo gets so upset that he, the the, the freslin wears off, he metabolizes it. And the shot of him transforming back into Dargo is really cool, because It's kind of shot from from a hero angle, where we're down below looking up at Dargo, and you can see his reflection in the mirrored ceiling, so you can see the change in the ceiling, and it's a cool, artsy-looking shot that is also a great cheat, because transformation sequences don't usually look good on television, especially not in the early 2000s.
0: Hmm. So yeah, everyone's like, pew-pew, 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 guns, pew-pew-pew, and, you know, John's dragging Chiana... Dargo's flipping out on everyone, they're, you know, trying to get to Jewel, where uh the the lady is draining Jewel.
1: Yeah. I, I wrote in my notes, just in all caps, All Hell Breaks Loose. It's one of those sequences. Yeah. It's an all hell breaks loose sequence.
0: It's very uh shootout in the discotheque
1: So, um All Hell Breaks Loose is famously a line from the script of From Dust Till Dawn when the fighting actually goes down famously the script only has all hell breaks loose and everything else was you know choreographed by uh robert rodriguez
0: yeah john john's wearing these kind of thermal goggles or something yeah they're
1: like night vision goggles yeah
0: so a lot of the shots are just done in night vision ish yeah. or thermal vision it, it's neat and it's probably cheaper and it's more visually interesting than gunfights usually are on farscape so so
1: i I feel like a lot of things that are going on in this episode that are cool artistically were probably also cheaper. Cheaper, and you know what? I love it. Good for them. Yeah. So in the milking room, uh,
0: the Fabio-esque guy that Chiana sexy fire danced at.
1: Oh, I think that's a different guy than the guy Chiana sexy fire danced at. But that is the guy that Raxel said was her was her mate.
0: Yeah, he he's dead. The Fabio-looking guy's dead. She's like, oh, no, my mate's dead. I better pull some microchips out of this chair. And John's like, that's your mate? And Raxel's like, oh, what? You think he- I'm too attractive for him? Well, you're right. But, you know, it's the joke because he's a very attractive human dude. And she's a weird squid monster.
1: With, like, what looks like an exposed brain. Yeah. But we learn that everything she's told them was basically a lie. And that what she really wanted was to take the processor chip out of the milking chair because she's the one who actually developed that technology and now she has the chip and there is and you know she runs off like haha i have what i want now and there is a moment that i love where chiana says to to john because they're you know they're they appear to be alone in the room now and chiana says to john how's your neck and he says it's fine i don't mind sticking it out for you
0: it is cute that is a nice uh is a nice bit.
1: And then she takes off the thermal goggles and she's like, you don't want to break these. And then we see that Fator, like, pops up behind them and, like, he and John start fighting and he tries to strangle John and then John breaks free because he's a badass fighter now and takes out Fator. And then Shiana is like, yeah, I'm not going to be a helpless damsel. She hits him with the gigantic glass cylinder full of jewels, liquids.
0: And then she just keeps throwing liquid at him until she pours he
1: pours it down his throat
0: yeah and she's like well he's gonna die but unfortunately he's gonna die happy and he mega overdoses and then dies
1: yeah it's 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 messed up oh and and then she she turns to john and she's like your neck's still okay <laughs> oh love this scene oh you know what we didn't mention in the all hell breaks loose sequence that i know you were excited about what Dargo actually used his tongue to subdue
0: someone. Thank you. Yeah, because he co- he comes into the room and the lady's like, "I have a gun and you don't. You're at a major disadvantage. You're gonna lose and you're gonna die. And I'm gonna drain your friend." And Dargo's like, Pfft. and by I mean he shoots out his paralyzing dart tongue. Yeah. Which way to remember something you can do, Dargo?
1: <laughs> so then we cut back to Pilot's den and Pilot's like, "This story is nonsense." You are nonsense.
0: I mean, it was a Shacky Dog story because Pilot told him at multiple points, I don't care why you're back on the ship. You need to not be on the ship. I need a goddamn break from you. for a, like, for. like I just need a goddamn break from you. It doesn't matter what happened on the planet. You need to leave. There's a non-pleasure planet that has, like, bunk beds for loser aliens who need to crash there for a few days. I'm dropping you off there. It's a mining colony I'm sure they have calendars you can look at for the next eight days or so. Yeah,
1: and he's and, and Pilot's just gonna leave them. He's like, I'm going to come back in eight days, and you are gonna be on your own until then. You and Dargo. And then John walks back towards the back of Pilot's den, and Dargo's like, I thought you were gonna get us out of
0: trouble. And John's like, I don't know. The story should have worked. And Dargo's like, mm-hmm, the story should have worked.
1: I kind of like their bickering because it feels to me like brothers.
0: I like it too. It's not been the dynamic that they've had recentishly, but but I, I do like sort of the closeness that you get through this arguing. Also, I do really like the fact that you can feel the scale of Pilot when John is talking to him here. Mm. A lot of the times you don't, but Pilot is way bigger than John in this scene, and it's very apparent from the way the scene is shot.
1: Yes, yes. I love when they have human actors next to the Pilot puppet. It always, like, yeah.
0: So, yeah, that's the end of the episode. They go off to sit in the break room of a mining planet for the next eight days. Uh, It's kind of funny. Pilot says that Chiana and uh, Jewel can't corroborate his story because they're both unconscious in their rooms. And also, he doesn't care.
1: (laughs) Okay, okay. So, the question, which, by the way, I'm going to put up as a poll on our Twitter and on our Facebook, which is... Did this story actually happen?
0: Hmm. I think maybe parts of it... I don't know. It, it really... I would say that it did, except for the, the bit where... The bit where John and Darko are arguing about how this was supposed to get them out of trouble makes me feel like it isn't a real story.
1: hmm And before we started recording, I showed you the original ending of this episode, which was different. hmm And by the way, when you respond to the poll you should not factor in the original ending because they changed it so it's not canon. Yeah. But the original ending has Dargo and John actually convincing Pilot to let them stay. And then we see that Raxel has come aboard the ship with them. And she thinks that they're all going to be like space pirates together. But John and Dargo... They,
0: They break the chip. Like, John breaks the chip so that she can't make more drugs out of ladies. And then they're like... And we're going to just throw you off on the next planet that can support sentient life.
1: And actually, I didn't notice this until like the third time I watched the scene, but John takes the chip from her and tosses it to the floor and it's Dargo who steps out and crushes it. And I just like the way it shows them very much in sync
0: there. Yes, but that is also non-canon, shot but not used. So it is kind of up in the air as to whether or not what happened in this episode happened. It's entirely possible that Darko and John just got really drunk and then got thrown out of the resort. Yeah.
1: Okay. So I, I like that we don't know. Um, I I enjoy not knowing. But if I had to vote, I'd vote that it did happen, only because John says ask Jewel and Shiana, and that feels like a kind of bluff that John wouldn't make if he didn't know they were going to back him. Mm-hmm. But I like not
0: knowing. See, the thing is, I think part of this happened like i feel like this sort of happened but it's very embellished
1: yeah i i feel like this is definitely through the lens of an inebriated john
0: like i think that maybe chiana and jewel went to a drug dealer's house and got super high and had an orgy and then Darko burst in and broke a bunch of stuff and got them kicked off the planet
1: that could definitely have happened yes
0: but yeah i believe that will bring us to our segments we uh
1: That will bring us to our segments. Uh, We have three segments at the end of our Farscape episodes. Our first segment is a distant part of the universe, which is what world building worked for you in this episode.
0: Okay, so I feel like Farscape hasn't really had much in the way of pleasure planets. I do like that this is basically a resort planet. And, you know, if you leave... Not not even if you leave the resort, like it's a resort planet, so you know, it's fun, it's nice, it's a good place to have a vacation, but also you're more likely to get murdered there than you would be staying on your home planet.
1: Yeah, it's it's a it's a shady place, but also it's very fun, so uh people keep going to it, but you know, watch your watch your wallet.
0: Statistically you're not likely to get murdered, but it happens a lot. But like statistically it probably won't happen to you.
1: Yeah. Yeah,
0: probably
1: just don't get like super drunk and stand on the prow of the ship and then fall off and get washed up on a desert island. That's a reference to the current Mary Worth storyline, by the way,
0: which is amazing. It's been amazing to see how invested people are in the is Wilbur going to die storyline, which he
1: still could. I'm so invested in that storyline.
0: That will bring us to our second segment, Strange Alien Creatures. Uh, what alien design did you like? You were kind of, we're kind of spoiled for choice this episode. Even the background aliens had stuff going on.
1: Yeah. I mean, mine has to be the Hanchi. Like the, I loved the design. And like I said, I loved the, the way the puppet was structured. And again, it's one of those things where it was probably done because it was cheaper and that looked great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I, I I really like when they just have complex puppets Mm -hmm. for the aliens. Like the Trimouth guy really early on. I wish he had more of that. But yeah, it was cool to see a more alien alien. Even if John had to very gently manhandle him in the part where he was manhandling him.
1: (laughs) Yes. That kind of reminded me of... um,
0: Mac and cheese.
1: Oh gosh. He did kind of have like a... No, no. I was thinking about in Ed Wood when uh, they steal the octopus, but they forget to steal the motor that goes with it. So they just have to kind of thrash around under it. Yeah. Oh, uh, what about you? As far as aliens,
0: oh, well, mine was obviously the also the eye tentacle thing. Hanji, the Hanji. Although I did like they're in it so briefly, but I did like the sexy lady alien thing because it would have been so easy to just oh, they're a Sebation offshoot, which you know they were very humany, but there was enough effort so that they were also very clearly alien. Yeah, and I do like. I mean, I know it's it's not a thing with species always mess it they always mess it up when they're doing aliens or demons or wherever you know because it's the males that have the big colorful displays and not the females of course that's an earth nature but but i did like the kind of feathered you know
1: yes yes
0: showy thing that was that was the peacocking
1: and and we didn't we didn't mention it when we described them but they were um blue and green so yeah
0: yeah. Uh, Darko Dargo mentions at one point that they saw blue breasts and green breasts.
1: <laughs> you know what? I just felt like this episode was really fun, even though the, the MacGuffin is super dark. I, I felt like the episode was fun. Yeah,
0: it was a fun episode. With a really dark MacGuffin.
1: Yes. um, Our final segment is the wonders that I've seen, which is what emotionally resonated with you this episode.
0: I think it's probably going to be the same thing that emotionally resonated with you. I do really like the Chiana and John. I've got your neck.
1: Oh my God. Yes. I don't mind sticking it out for you. Yeah. Ah, John is such a good friend. To Chiana. Yes. But, but even, I feel like John has a lot of, love and loyalty to give and he's ready to give it to anybody who returns his affections
0: god i hope uh, chiana's wig gets better yeah i have to imagine it is because otherwise there'd be a big split right there or would people just get used to it It, or is there like a good wig chiana bad wig chiana Split down her screen time.
1: Well, what's weird is I was watching this episode and going, oh, that wig's getting kind of ragged, but actually it's not. They brought in a new one. I don't know. I, I think it probably just needed needs to be, like, styled properly. We'll see how. We'll we'll, we'll set up a, a wig watch 2022. <laughs> see how the wig turns out. <laughs> but not next episode, because...
0: Next episode, we're back on, um, what's his bucket? Talon. Talon.
1: So, the next episode is Infinite Possibilities Part 1, Dalius Demands, and the description from Amazon Prime is, Crichton must face the wrath of the ancients when a dangerous species threatens to unlock the secret to wormhole technology.
0: All right, so I believe that'll about do it for this week.
1: I think that will about do it. Our show is partially listener-supported. If you want to be one of the supporters, you should head over to our website, www.welcometotelevision.net, and click on our Patreon link. We'd like to thank our current $5 and above patrons, Beryl, Patricia, Rosa, Ryan, Mara, Cruz, Benjamin, Kate, Jen, and Dan.
0: If you'd like to support the show in other ways, you could always rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps other people find the show.
1: If you want to talk about this episode, or any episode, or any episode of any television show, you should join our Facebook group, Welcome to Television.
0: We can also be contacted at Zines on Twitter, or at Zines at gmail.com.
1: So until next time, I'm Tina. And I'm Max. And this has been Welcome to the Uncharted Territories.